Well, good morning, everybody. This is Stefan Wiedner from NewMe.com. Welcome to today's teleclass called Email Marketing Magic for Coaches with Heart. Today, our guest speaker is Sarah Schwab, the content creation coach. And uh, I think this is going to be a really great workshop. I think you have to get ready, roll up your sleeves, and do a little bit of work. If you didn't receive it, uh, Sarah would have sent an email with a worksheet for you to be following along with during today's teleclass. So you want to print that sucker off and have it down in front of you. And, uh, and then there'll be some work for you to do during today's call. Um, email marketing is a topic that is a, I would call it a subset of content marketing, which is a thing. It's something that uh, here at NUMI we've uh, done a lot of uh, edu education around to educate ourselves and learn about, and so we have some knowledge, but I think Sarah's uh, really honing in and focusing her time and effort on, on that topic, and she'll be uh, a great host for today's call to teach you everything she knows, so, or, well, maybe not everything, but <laughs> as, as, as much as possible in the next uh, hour or so. So, uh, Sarah, without further ado, why don't you take it away and uh, get us rolling. Let's use our time as efficiently as possible here. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Stefan, and thank you for having me. I completely agree with you that uh, email marketing is sort of a subset of content marketing. We will be talking about that. Content marketing is a huge topic and one that I'm very passionate about, as you know. But we really are going to try and stay focused as much as possible on email marketing and, and you know, which parts of this overlap um, so people can really use that effectively. And in communicating with folks ahead of time, there are people at all sorts of different stages on this call, um, some who are just starting off, haven't done any email marketing or you know, are really just getting going with this, and some who have been doing it and have some more detailed questions about how to do it better and, um, you know, some of the some of the real nitty-gritty. So I'm really going to try and make it valuable for everyone. Stick with me. Um, we'll cover some of the basics at the beginning, but we will definitely get into um, um, some more details about my specific approach. And at the end, we will have, um, I'd like to save some time for a Q&A, I have some questions people sent me ahead of time, and I will be taking live um, calls from folks as well. So if you have questions along the way, make a note, and um, we, you can chime in, and, and hopefully I can get things answered for folks that way as well. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. So I just want to start off, uh, like I said, real basic, talking about exactly what we mean when we say email marketing. Um, obviously, it's about marketing to people using email, but um, it's a little more specific than that. It's, it's more than obviously sending emails to people. Hopefully all of us send individual emails. It's about communicating with people, following up with folks you meet at networking events or that kind of thing. What we want to do is leverage that and communicate to many people at the same time so you're not just sending individual emails out, <laughs> which is incredibly time-consuming and, and you know, difficult to keep up with. But imagine if you had, you know, 100 people or several hundred people or even several thousand people on your email list that you can communicate to. You send out an email and it goes to all of those folks and you get um, some real leveraged engagement that way. 
email marketing, there's a number of, a number of rules around it. Um, you may have heard of the Can Spam Act here in the U.S. and other um, places have have regulations around this because, to be honest with you, some of us have a negative association with email, with email marketing. And let's just be totally honest about this. Um, you know, I do this in, in a live talk often, and I'll ask folks to, to say, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of email marketing? And a lot of us think of our inbox that is crammed with a bunch of stuff that we, you know, have difficulty getting through, and it's overwhelming, and it's sometimes kind of spammy, or it's, you know, pushy. It's that it's, Those kinds of things come up. So a lot of people have a hurdle around doing this at all to begin with. And what I want to say up front is that it doesn't have to be that way. Ideally, we want to be sending emails and sending communications to people that are valuable, that are something that they look forward to getting and, you know, get something out of. They want to open it up. Um, and I know there are some of those kinds of emails in our inboxes as well. Unfortunately, the majority of them may not be at this point, and that's what I'm trying to change. That's what we want to, to do email marketing in a way that really is personal as well as effective for our business. So um, we'll talk again in, in a little more detail about following those rules and, you know, using platforms and opt-ins and all that kind of stuff later. But that just that explains what we're talking about when we say email marketing. Like Stefan said, email marketing is intertwined with content marketing. And so that's something that maybe um, not all of you have, have heard of or gotten into in a lot of detail. And it's the same to, to, to say basically what it is, is marketing through content, just like email marketing is marketing through email. But what exactly do we mean when we say content? The first way that I explain content is to make a distinction, and that is the difference between content and copy. And this is the first section of your worksheet, so if you've had a chance to print it out by now, get out your worksheet, get out your pencil. And this is um, a, probably a new distinction for a lot of people. First, let's talk about copy. A lot of us have a lot of copy out there. We have um, information on our websites. We have, potentially, we have sales pages. We have stuff about our services or maybe products. That's copy. Copy is informative. It tells you about a thing, you know, what it is. Um, if you think about the sort of who, what, when, where, why thing, copy is the what, the when, and the where. If there's a where and a when, depending on what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's, it's telling you sort of the factual parts about what something is. It is often written in the third person. So, you know, there isn't, it's not necessarily coming from an individual. It's simply informative, like a, like a newspaper article would be, about whatever the thing is that you're talking about. And finally, copy also often has a call to action. The goal of copy, especially we, we hear it referred to as sales copy, is to get people to do something. Um, and that's all fine and good. We need copy in our businesses. The problem is oftentimes 
we have too much copy and <laughs> not enough content. So what is content? What do we mean when we say content? Content, the purpose of content is simply to build a relationship with the reader. It's something that is immediately valuable to them. So if you think about copy, it's, it's value is in, you know, informing you about the thing, but you can't gain value from the thing unless, usually unless you buy it or unless you, you know, click on something or do something else, then you can get the value. Whereas content has value inherently in it. Whether that value is, um, you know, some, some tips, some things that people can actually implement in their life right away, maybe it's just an emotional value of some kind. It brightens up their day. It, um, it makes that personal connection. It's important to figure out what value are you giving to people. This is something that's going to come up over and over again. Uh, again, thinking about the who, what, when, where, why. Content is the why and the how. You know, you think about why this stuff is important. Why are you passionate about it? Why does it matter? How can people, you know, take a step toward, toward doing it? How does it work? Obviously, one thing that comes up, sometimes people don't want to give away all of the how, and that, I understand that, but we have to, we have to give them at least a taste. We have to give them some of that value. And we all know that, to be honest, in the, in the course of a relatively short content piece, for example, an email or an article or something like that, people aren't going to take all of your how-to information and run with it. <laughs> um, I think oftentimes people worry about that um, more than they need to. If you get to the point where you've put out so much content that you're afraid you're giving it all away, great, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> um, but I think putting out value that people are looking for, that people are responding to, is going to be such a, a huge draw to your business and to yourself. And lastly, content comes from a specific person. So write this down. Content is written in the first person. It's I. Meaning you, you the coaches out there, you are writing it and you're talking to you, the reader. So I don't know if this is, I'm, I'm getting tangled up in my pronouns here. But it's written in I and you. Here's something that I think. Here's a story about what happened to me. And here's how you can benefit from it. That's very different from copy written in the third person, right? This program has, you know, is this long and has this sort of detail. That's not personal in the same way that content is personal. So is that a clear step? And I, I was going to ask for your feedback and on the difference between content and copy. And yeah, I think, that, I think that makes a pretty good distinction there. And uh, uh, yeah, one thing I guess that we keep in mind is there's just so much information. There's tons and tons of information. 
So you really do need to personalize it. You really do need to put your own personal spin on it. Um, if you want to do just about anything in the world, you, you just Google it. Right? It's like the information is already there. So it's really important that you do infuse your own personality, your own um, values, and that's going to attract the people that are drawn to you. You know, that's going to naturally draw them towards you. And it's okay to be a little bit edgy. It's okay to be, um, you know, to sort of stick yourself out there a little bit and uh, might feel a little bit raw. But I think uh, in the end, it's 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 a good move. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And that's how that's what builds the relationship, right? The information is important. It's part of the value. But it ha- like you said, if it doesn't come from an individual person, they can get that information anywhere. Um, so why should they get it from you? What and and it distinguishes you from all the other folks out there doing similar things. So that's 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 really important. And here's the thing: the ratio that I've heard. Now this isn't a scientific thing, but in your sales process and in your communications and in your marketing you should have more content than copy. I've heard upwards of five to one, sometimes more, sometimes less. But people should get, you know, five pieces of valuable content or communication touch points from you where you're building that relationship before you try to sell them something. And I think that's the part where we're often flipped upside down. And this is where email marketing really comes in. And so um, I want to... Talk about the the next step here, which is the four step marketing process, and really it's the four steps to to getting clients, to engaging people, to selling to people. The first one, again, this is on your worksheet. Worksheet, so write these down. The first one is drive traffic, and that's about, you know, obviously drive traffic sounds like sending people to your website, and that certainly can be what it is. But driving traffic really means getting as many eyes on you and on your business as possible, getting in front of as many people as possible, whether that means sending them to your website or, you know, getting in front of them on social media or speaking to them in large groups or, you know, however you can get those eyes on your business. It's what we call the top of the funnel, right? It's the biggest, widest part of how many people can you you get in front of and, and drive to your business. The second part is capture leads. So of all of those people that you're getting in front of, the ones that are, you know, most drawn to you and most likely to be your your ideal client, how can you capture them? How can you, um, you know, gather their information? We're really talking about ideally in this case, especially since we're talking about email marketing, we're talking about getting their name and email address so that you can follow up with them. If you're driving traffic, say, to your website or to um, any of your online presence, you know, pages, unless you capture their information, you don't know who they are and you can't guarantee that they'll come back. And the reality is they probably won't. So we need to capture as many of those ideas that are coming through as possible. Step three is to nurture those leads. Nurture those leads. So once you have their information, what do you do with it? How do you communicate with them? How are they going to hear from you? And again, what value are they going to get from you? Get to know you so that you can go to step number four, 
which is to convert those leads into customers. And that's where, obviously, we're going to make the sale, we're going to close the deal, we're going to get that client. But that really, that four-step process is all of your marketing. It's all of your sales process. You drive traffic, you capture those leads, you nurture those leads, and you convert them into customers. Everything that you do to market your business should be contributing towards one of those four steps. And if it's not, or if you don't know which step it's contributing towards, you should take a look at what you're doing and, and get clear about it. And sometimes what happens is that people want to skip steps two and three, <laughs> right? We want to get in front of lots of people and drive a bunch of traffic, and then we want to sell them something. But the reality is it doesn't work that way. So most people, when they first hear from you or get in touch with you or get exposed to you or land on your website, they're not ready to buy from you right away, especially in the coaching world and in the service-based world where we're selling something that really requires a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of, um, you know, commitment from these people. This isn't something that happens quickly. So steps two and three, capturing those leads and nurturing those leads, are so important. Um, another statistic that I heard at one point was something like over 60% of sales happen over a year after the initial exposure, after their first, um, you know, exposure to, to the business, to the brand. So what happens during that year? If you aren't catching people and nurturing those leads, you're losing a lot of sales. And that points out a couple of things to me. A, it points out the importance of this nurturing process of staying in front of people until they are ready to work with you. And secondly, it points out the fact that the sales process is, you know, this is a long-term thing. Email marketing is not a quick fix, you know, magic bullet kind of a thing. Yes, we called it email marketing magic. And I'll tell you, it's magical, especially when you stick with it over time. But it's not magical in the sense that you're going to send out a couple of emails and suddenly your client roster is going to be full. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, so understand that what we're doing is nurturing clients over time so that in a few months, in you know six months or even a year, sometimes more, the longer you stick with it, the more conversions you're going to see, the more engagement you're going to see, the more impact you're going to see from it. That is where the magic starts to really happen. So that's um, kind of a high-level part of the marketing process. I want to talk about um, two different types of content that I that I distinguish again. Before we get into that, Sarah, do you mind if I offer a bit yeah, of a metaphor ahead. there? Yeah. Oh, I uh, love this it. Is, yeah, this is a metaphor I came across pretty recently, and I thought it was great. Uh, it's an, a metaphor for coaches, especially when they're first starting out in their entire mm -hmm. business, but I think it's perfectly relevant to email marketing, and it's that of an airplane taking off. So when you first get into an airplane, you know, they, the, it ferries its way to the end of the runway, and then it takes off, and in so doing, it exerts this immense amount of energy just to get to lift off, 
and then the airplane, you know, slowly rises up to its cruising altitude, at which point it kind of uh, can, the, the amount of power output is, is lessened uh, to the point where you, you, you land. Well, the same sort of thing with email marketing. At first, it's going to feel like there's tons of energy being expended to get things started. You have to come up with your original pieces of content. You have to start to build your list, etc. But then eventually, it gets to the point where you're at cruising altitude, and uh, it's way easier. So it, it's very consistent with everything you just said. It's not, oh, I love it's, that. you know, it's not a, it's not a magic bullet. It's not um, get rich quick scheme. It's, it's going to take some time, but it gets way easier later on. You have yes. to keep that in mind. I love that metaphor. And getting up to that coasting altitude, once you're there, it's completely worthwhile. Um, but, yeah, I love that. I've actually written, in a way, it's almost like um, there was a chart I created at one point. So there's the trajectory that you're talking about, which is sort of the effort, the amount of effort up front actually is a lot. And it, the amount of effort goes from high, and over time it actually goes down. It gets easier. You you know, don't you get better at it for one thing. Once you have more people on your list, you don't have to um, focus on that quite as much. The effort actually goes down and the impact goes up over time. And that's exactly what, what your airplane metaphor um, describes. So I love that. All right. So are we ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so... Let's make another distinction here um, about two different types of content. Again, this is it's a, similar to my content versus copy, but one thing that we're we're gonna have to really get clear about when we talk about email marketing is the purpose of of each email that you send out. So I'm just gonna dive right into this. This is on your worksheet. The first type of content is nurturing content. Obviously, in the four-step process we just talked about, this is going to be the part where we nurture our leads. It's about, um, you know, providing that value, the content we talked about above. And here's the thing. Nurturing content is something that has to happen consistently. It's something you have to create, you know, on a regular basis over a long period of time. And so start thinking about that right now, what that means for you. Are you someone who can put out content every week? Maybe it's every two weeks. You know, maybe it's only once a month. People often ask this question. I'll do a quick tangent of, like, how often should I do it? And there is not one right answer for everybody, but there's a very small window in which the right answer lays, which is somewhere between pretty much once a week or once a month or somewhere in between. <laughs> and the, the true answer is whatever you can stick with consistently. And so, having said that, nurturing content is about consistency. What forms is that going to take? What can you create on a regular basis? Um, and that brings me to a second distinction between different types of content. There's written content and there's spoken content. So you'll see on the worksheet there's two different columns. The left-hand side is your written content and the right-hand side is your spoken content. So... Um, Obviously, this is not a comprehensive list, but these are the most common forms. And with written content on the left, one thing is is articles. 
and we're talking about like blog articles essentially where you're writing um, a piece on a particular topic and oftentimes that then intertwines with your email newsletter that you're sending out. And so this is something I build with people oftentimes together is the blog and the email marketing system. Now that doesn't have to be. Some people will do an email marketing um, plan without a blog. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail here. This is where it overlaps with content marketing. If you want to be able to send out that email, as long as it has a piece of value in it, that's totally fine. And then looking over on the other side, maybe it, maybe your value takes the place or takes the form of a video um, that you send out on a regular basis or some sort of audio. That's what a podcast is, is a consistent audio um, content that people are putting out. It allows you, those some of those forms allow you to bring in other people, do it in an interview style. Um, on either side with written or spoken, it could take the form of like a Q&A where you're answering a question. It could take the form of a, of a weekly, you know, tip or some sort of, um, you know, shorter form value that you're offering to people. I know I get one um, one email that comes on a daily basis, if anybody's familiar with the notes from the universe, he sends out an email every single day and it's just a couple of sentences, but people love to receive it. And um, so that's what you have to think about is what can you create um, and how often can you create it? What form is that going to take for you? That's nurturing content. And I want to take a second to talk about catalyst content because it's different, but it's important. So email marketing is a, a huge part of it is that nurturing sequence, is that, um, you know, step number three of the marketing process is nurturing those people. But then how do you use it to convert leads into customers, right? That's what we all do want eventually. And the reality is you can certainly put a call to action in your email newsletter but people's inboxes are getting so full and trends are changing so that if you want real, if you want a higher level of engagement from people, the way that we do that now is with catalyst content. And that is something you create one time. It's not something, you know, it's unlike nurturing content where you're creating it consistently all, all the time over and over. This is something you create once and you put it out there. And it allows people to, you know, raise their hand and say, I'm interested in that. And to be honest, there's examples of this all over the place. Um, one is on the left-hand side, we have some, some written forms, such as an e-book or a white paper. You'll see those a lot. Um, could be an interactive worksheet, a list, other forms of, of, you know, essentially just digital written pieces that are a PDF document. Um, this, these are, sometimes it's an opt-in for your list itself. Sometimes it's an opt-in for another type of a, you know, campaign or free program that you're, that you're stepping up. Catalyst content, um, you may have heard the term launch. A launch is, um, has catalyst content. Um, oftentimes those are on the other side, on the right-hand column there, where you have spoken content like a video series or, 
um, you know, a special audio that people can download or honestly a, a webinar or a teleseminar like we're doing right now. This is a form of catalyst content. And, you know, people signed up and said, yes, I'm interested in this, and here you are. <laughs> so we want to be able to see you do this in your own business. This is kind of where I work with my people to get to in their email marketing. It's a little bit further down. So if you're starting totally from scratch with your email marketing, you need to build up the nurturing part first. You need to, you know, establish your rhythm, establish your regular content creation, um, get that going. And then we look at, all right, what is our catalyst content plan? When And this happens less frequently. You know, maybe it's a couple times a year or once a quarter or something like that, you're going to do a catalyst. I know Numi, um, Stefan, you guys put on these webinars once a month. Um, and that's something that people can look at how they want to use that in their business. So that was the next distinction. Talk to me about that, Stefan. How did that resonate with you? Yeah, I I like um I like everything you said here. One thing that I've come across quite a bit and, and maybe you can offer a distinction here is there's often coaches or not just coaches, any like tons of people on the web say sign up for my newsletter. And so then what they're doing is basically blogging or they're writing regular content and then you receive that content once it's published. Um, the other thing I see quite a bit is people saying sign up for what is amounts to a drip sequence um, where there's a set of maybe it's like a 30-day New Year's challenge. Sign up and then on January 1st for 30 days you get like an email asking you or inviting you to take action or do something or learn a piece of information that's really valuable or what have you. Uh, where, do, where does that fit on this list? Oh, that's a really good question. So obviously the first one that you're talking about is the nurturing content. That's where people are signing up for a newsletter. Sometimes there's, oftentimes, in fact, this is a, a recommendation, there's a catalyst piece up front. Like they're going to download something from you and then under, with the understanding that they're going to get on your newsletter and, and receive regular content and value from you in the form of articles or whatever it might be. The second one that you're talking about is definitely catalyst content. So I've seen, you know, 21 day challenges. I've seen, I did one actually around the holidays that was seven days. It was a week of about gifts and about creating content gifts and different ideas. Um, so you sign up and you got seven emails for seven days. So that is a catalyst piece. And at the end of it or along the way, like you said, there's, um, a call to action of some kind if you've been really into this and you want more, then there's another step. So I, I hope that that clarifies things. Those are, those are great, but I, even if it's a month or even if it's, you know, however long your drip campaign is, you still need to have the nurturing engine going underneath. It's, let me give you, so now it's my turn to give sort of an analogy or a metaphor here. <laughs> Um, which is you, uh, people often hear about marketing funnels. So, you know, you put people in at the top of the funnel and a few things happen and then some people fall out the bottom, meaning they hire you, they engage with you, they become your client. But 
I struggled with that because a lot of times what happens is you create a funnel like that and not very many people will come out the bottom, at least initially. The funnel is only, whether it's a week or a month or you know, however many pieces you have, say, in a drip campaign or in a, a follow-up campaign sequence, um, then, then what happens to all those people who didn't you know, end up becoming your client right away? So I created a, a whole, a bigger visual image, if you'll go with me on this, which is almost like one of those water park rides. So you go into the initial funnel, you're going around and you're getting the initial stuff and you think it's pretty cool, but you're not necessarily ready to dive in right now. And it plunks you out into the lazy river. And the lazy river is the nurturing sequence. So you're floating around in your little tube. Clearly, this is showing that I have kids and I've been to a water park. (laughs) But hopefully you can go along along with me on this. You're floating around on the lazy river and getting occasional nurturing, you know, pieces and staying in motion. So you're not just, you know, plunked into nothingness. But then the question is, how do you get people out of that lazy river? And that is where the catalyst pieces you're talking about come in, which is another funnel. So you need multiple funnels going on. So one might be your opt-in gift. One might be, you know, the catalyst, whatever, week-long or month-long challenge or something like this that happens. And those funnels, all of them can serve two different purposes. They can take people out of the lazy river and give them another shot to try and become your client. Some will and some won't, and then they keep going around and around. They can also serve as a way to get people into the lazy river who aren't already there, right? You can market it to the to the broader world. You can market it on social media. You can spread the word about that neat catalyst thing that you're doing, and it draws people in and keeps them going in this big cycle I don't know if I painted that picture. What did you? <laughs> did that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. That's a, I think, a useful metaphor to, to think about for sure. So and the other thing that happens though is that can feel a little bit overwhelming for people. That's the goal where we want to end up is having this, you know, the nurturing sequence, the lazy river portion, working really well on an ongoing basis, and then we have these funnels built. But if you're starting from nothing. It's about, you know, taking this one step at a time. And honestly, having that first funnel and having a few people drip out the bottom of it is so gratifying and it's incredibly useful, um, you know, for you and for your business. So I don't want people to get necessarily overwhelmed by that vision either. I just want to make sure that I'm clear about these different pieces of content and, and how they're used. All right. All right. So let's get into, we're getting more into the nitty gritty of email. I'm going to cover my three keys. This is on the back of your worksheet um, to getting clients through your email. And then we'll go step by step for these different stages so that um, people know where, really where they're at and what the next step is for them. Um, The three keys and their three C's (laughs) are content which we've talked quite a bit about. Consistency, which we've also touched on. And then having a clear and compelling offer. So 
to talk about each of these um, briefly at least. Um, the content, like I said, we've talked about, it's about that's where you make that connection. That's where you share the value. That's where you provide something that is, um, you know, engaging and useful to, to your readers. That is the meat of your email. If you send emails with no content, um, eventually people will stop opening them because there's nothing of value for them in there. Um, occasionally we, we send a, a real a sales email that's really about, I have this thing, check it out. That's fine as long as you are regularly including content. The second part is consistency. We talked about that with nurturing content. It simply has to be consistent. And the truth is the consistency itself contributes toward building trust with people. If you show up regularly every whatever it is that you commit to, every couple of weeks at least, then they know that you're a reliable person. It builds that trust that you're there and you're going to be there. If you send out an email and then disappear for a while and then, you know, send one randomly three months later, people are going to have a different kind of reaction, right? We're like, well, where have you been? And <laughs> there's no um, – and, in fact, it's almost, it's almost detrimental to be inconsistent. So the consistency piece is critical. And then the last piece is – a clear and compelling offer. This is the thing with email marketing. And whether it's, um, you know, at the end of a, of a catalyst-type campaign, whether it's in your email newsletter, you certainly still can put um, offers in your email newsletter. They need to be very clear and compelling. I think this is something that coaches in particular struggle with because the call to action is like, well, you know, work with me. Let's look, give me a call sometime, you know. <laughs> And that's not going to be a real effective call to action when it comes to email marketing. People want something um, that's very clear and easy for them to do, to click on, to sign up for. Um, so there, what you need to think about is another step, another way, an entry point for people. It's not about selling them a huge coaching package um, online before you've had a conversation with them, obviously. Um, and many of you may use the, the sales process of a, some sort of, you know, free call, a get-to-know-you kind of a call or even a free consultation or whatever you call that um, to allow people to sign up for that. Um, and even then, if that's the call to action, make it really clear. Get, get you know, a calendaring system where people can click it and pick a date and sign up for a call with you as opposed to, you know, making them either reply to the email or, you know, let's schedule something. It, it, it's very easy, especially in the coaching world, to get to, for this to get vague quickly. So we want to figure out what is the really clear and compelling offer, the immediate next step that you want people to take. Um, and that's what we want to include in our emails. All right. Can you maybe give us some a couple specific examples? I mean, I think you already did about what a really good call to action for a coach in particular is, yeah. um, or one that you've seen be really effective. Can you give us more specific details there? Because I think this is really important. Absolutely, um, and I think so. If you're if initially when you're getting started, um, 
you know, your goal is to get clients, I think the free call is a great thing. Um, so, like I said, that one would look something like some people I know that you should come up with a name for it <laughs> so that everybody's not offering a quote-unquote free consultation. I know somebody who offers, you know, a free virtual coffee date or a free, um, I don't know, strategy session or whatever you want to call that. Give it a real name. Almost You almost brand it so it's like it's like a thing that people can get, you know, as opposed to just a vague telephone conversation scheduling thing. <laughs> um, so that's that's one really clear good example. And then the other ones start falling into the catalyst content realm and or I guess paid if people have paid um, products or clear services sort of like group, you know, group, there might be group coaching services or offers. So how can I break this down? If you have um, a relatively, you know, easy entry point kind of a thing that people can buy, if you have, you know, a webinar that's for sale or a book that's for sale, that's a pretty clear call to action that you can encourage people to, to buy it. Um, if it's any bigger than that, even group coaching programs that are bigger than that, I recommend a, a catalyst um, piece first. So something like doing a teleseminar like this or, um, you know, doing a, a launch of some kind or a video so that in the email, the call to action is, you know, check this out. I made a, a video training on this topic. Click here and, and check it out. And then the video opt-in is what, um, sells them into a, your bigger program. Um, you can also use the phone conversation to sell people into programs, you know, group programs as well. So it's really, in my mind, I don't know if I'm if I'm answering your question still, but the call to action ha in an email has to be either a reasonably low price point type of a thing, whatever that might mean for you. Or it's a free catalyst content opportunity to take that next step, get on the phone with you, get on a program with you, watch a video with you, engage with you at that next level, and that's where you can then make a bigger sale. Yeah, I agree. I think what it, what that is consistent with is the the message you delivered really early on in today's call, which is that email marketing is about building and nurturing relationships. Okay. So um, an electronic relationship, if you will, one that's by email and so on, <laughs> is like the first step. And I think the next step is getting someone on the phone. I mean, that's what coaching is. It's this personalized relationship. you got to get the person on the phone somehow. Okay. Um, and uh, I think engaging your audience as much as possible is really effective. So maybe instead of like get this free thing or attend this free teleclass, there's also the opportunity to just ask your audience a question and start getting them to email you back. Um, and then you get to learn about them a little bit more and then address their uh, specific needs. And then maybe you say, well, you know what, this is a great topic for us to talk on the phone. I'd love to schedule a quick call. Is that okay with you kind of thing? We've done that recently and, and it works really effective. I think it has people really believe that you care and that you're listening and that you want to answer their questions and be really helpful and supportive, which I suspect all of you out there probably want to do with your clients. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, and then there's another uh, one of the guys that I really like. His name he's a blogger. His, his name is Scott Young. And one thing that he does that maybe every quarter or maybe twice a year or something is he has like this like mini little learn how to do something really quickly kind of thing. And uh, in which case he sends out usually I don't know five emails in a row, five days in a row. And sure. with each email you have to reply with like a sentence or two. And so that. <laughs> Um, that gets his audience engaged. And, uh, of course, there's probably, uh, as a percentage, a relatively small percent that are actually engaged for that five-day period. But I think that's pretty effective to get people to, like, be writing to you. And then, and then as they reply, of course, you reply back, and that may generate this whole thread of emails, right? So Absolutely. that's something you might want to consider, too. I love that. And I'm not sure if that's the same as the offer that we were talking about, like the clear and compelling offer, but it is still it's a call to action of, of engagement. It's as opposed to, you know, a call to action of, you know, sign up or buy something or whatever. The call to action is engage with me, reply to me, you know, like me on social media or do something like that. That can also be the call to action for um, a given email communication. I love that. And I'll yeah. tell you, it's important because people do, you know, you start sending out emails and if you're not getting that engagement, if you feel like you're sending emails out into a black hole, um, it's, it, you know, it's difficult to maintain that momentum. Whereas if you get at least a few um, replies or responses or something each time, it, you feel like there's people out there actually reading it and getting something from it. So, yeah, that's wonderful. All right, so let's get people going. Um, depending on where you are, we're going to talk about these these next three steps, um, as you can see on the worksheet, the setup phase, the growth phase, and then the conversion phase. And as we're talking about this, identify where you are. Are you at the very beginning setting some of this stuff up? Are you, you know, have you been doing it, but you're looking to grow your list a little bit more to make it a little bit more effective? Are you really... Um, in the later stage where you want, you've been doing this for a while, you think you've built relationships up and you're ready to convert more people. Um, that's the three steps we're going to talk about. So under the setup phase, again, back to the basics, but just stick with me here. For those of you who are starting from square one, the first thing you need to do is um, consider the platforms. You need to choose a platform. So there are email marketing platforms out there. Many, 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 many of them, um, you know, I hate to even mention specifics, but some of the bigger, more popular ones are something like like MailChimp or Constant Contact or AWeber or, um, you know, there's iContact, there's something about like my Emma. There are literally probably hundreds of them out there. That's having a platform like that, which to be honest, especially when you're first starting out, can be free. It doesn't have to cost you very much at all, um, but it gives you the compliance to some of the rules that we were talking about earlier so that people can opt in and opt out. They have to have that ability to unsubscribe um, from your emails um, just so that you're in compliance with the rules and so that you know that the people who are on your list are the ones who actually want to be there. Um, these types of platforms you know, they will keep track of your list and your database and they will allow you to design your emails and schedule them and do all kinds of great things. So that's the first thing is to make sure that you um, 
pick a platform and, and start setting that up. Um, start with the people you may already have. If you have current clients, if you have people you've met at networking events, um, the first step is to try to get those folks onto your list. Now, here's the thing. You can't just plunk people onto your opted-in email list. Um, you have to check with them. So the, the goal would be to take your who you already have, who you may have in all sorts of different places, whether it's a stack of business cards or um, some sort of spreadsheet or whatever, and reach out to them and say, hey, I'm you know starting this thing. I'm going to send out great stuff, whatever it might be. And you can, you can sign up here and give them the opportunity to sign up. That leads us to the, to the next part of the setup process, which is the opt-in section. So you have to have some sort of opt-in page, opt-in form on your web page um, for where people do exactly that. They're going to enter their name and email um, in order to get on your list. This also comes from your email marketing platform. It's something that you, you know, they will walk you through it. These, these platforms are really good about all right, now it's time to get people on your list. Here's your, here's where you get this form from, and you can put it on your website. Um, so, and then if if it's something you want to do, where you want to give them a, an opt-in gift of, of some kind, if you want to, you know, create an initial, I guess I'll call it an opt-in piece or a catalyst piece. That's an ebook or a survey or a video or whatever it might be that we talked about on the other side of the form, think about that. That's where you can create that opt-in gift and set that up. So this is all some of the, the basic stuff for setting up your 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 email marketing. And the, the last part of, of the initial setup is to have a plan to think about what's the, what's the content that you're going to create on a regular basis and how often are you going to do it and how often are you going to set send this out. So it's the topics and the timeline, right? Um, and that's something that I help people with all the time is figuring out what, what yours is going to look like, what's going to work for you and your business. All right. So I hope that's helpful for those of you who are here that are really just starting out. That's where you want to start. Now, we know many of you are past that. Um, I don't want others to get overwhelmed, but once you have that established and give yourself some time to really set into a rhythm, the next phase is the growth phase. And this is about getting more people on your list. It's about promoting your content in front of other groups of people in front of other places. This is honestly where all the other parts of marketing come in. It can be on social media. It can be, honestly, in your in-person marketing that you do, in your networking that you do, in any speaking that you might do, everything that you do right now to try and get in front of people and meet people and get them in your, um, in your business can become a list-building activity. Offer them your, you know, your content, your gift if you have one, whatever that might be, and get them on your list. This is the growth phase of your of your newsletter um yeah and i don't want to go into too much more list building is a thing like i said in and of itself that involves any 
number of marketing um, approaches, and we can maybe cover some of those in the questions. Um, but I want to quick get to the last phase here. So if you have a pretty decent-sized list, you've been doing this a little while, but you're not getting a lot of clients out of it, this is where you're ready to start um, creating a catalyst content plan and making really clear offers to your people. What what can you do to have them raise their hand? And And this is also where, so I haven't said this sort of explicitly, people get a little tied up in the um, terminology of an email newsletter and what's the difference between an email newsletter and any other sort of email things that we're sending out. In this phase, so the newsletter is what what I'm talking about that you're sending on a regular basis. It might not look like what you think of as a traditional newsletter, um, but as long as it's, it's that email nurturing thing that you're sending out on a regular basis. In the conversion phase, you may end up sending out an email that's separate, that's not your newsletter. It goes out on a different day, and maybe it's a different format. Um, and that's something that's going to catch people's eye and have a different purpose and really engage them and, you know, get them to take that action that you're wanting them to take. And that works, obviously, like we said earlier, once you've sent enough content to um, – you know, to build that relationship, at least the five-to-one ratio where um, they've gotten to know you and now it's time. Like, all right, here we go. <laughs> so that's that's the, the high level what I have. I have some questions I'm going to answer here. We have, oh gosh, um, not as much time as I would have liked, but I want to mention quick that one of the ways that I work with people and have um, – helps people, especially with setting up this email marketing and content marketing and blogging, if that's if that's going to be um, related to it, is with my VIP day. So I offer content creation VIP days, and I have I'm right now I'm booking into August, and I have a few more spots left this summer. Uh, and so what I do is I work either for six hours, which is a full VIP day. Um, and that the price for that is 567 or a half day VIP day a 3 hour session for 297 those prices are good through the end of the summer um i've announced to, to my whole list that um this fall i'll be raising those prices um and the 6 hour session i what i've done a lot of times is split it up into two and um, that way we can put a week or two or whatever in between to get some work done, to look at a few things, and then come back together. And it's a great opportunity to get some of this specifically set up for you if you have, um, you know, issues about the actual topic. Maybe it's about creating an opt-in. Maybe it's about the setup of the technology. I can do all sorts of things, and I tailor it specifically to what you need and where you're at um, in terms of, of setting up your email marketing or your content marketing. So I wanted to just make that offer. If, you, if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, you can check out more at contentcreationcoach.com slash VIP. Again, that's contentcreationcoach.com slash VIP. Um, check it out, and I would love to help out any folks who are feeling like they really want to get this set up, but you could use a little a little help along the way. 
So, um, and oh, and I want to mention a quick bonus. Um, anyone who does buy a VIP day or half VIP day today, um, I'm going to give you my opt-in campaign kit. So that includes an ebook that I wrote with the five steps to an opt-in campaign. This is what Stefan talked about a little bit earlier, the opt-in gift itself, as well as a follow-up sequence that gets people set up and engages them. It's that initial funnel. I also have, so the ebook, there's a, a course that I did called Create Your Opt-in Offer in a Day and a worksheet that goes along with that as well. So anyone who, who signs up for a VIP day today will get my opt-in campaign kit um, for free. And that's all I will say about that for right now. So um, if anyone on the call has specific questions, now is the time. You press on your phone, you press star six, and that will um, put you in the line to answer a question. And I will try to get to as many as I can. I'm happy to stick around if you guys are. Um, and I have a couple of questions that I got via email that I'll start off with as you guys have a chance to chime in. And Stefan, if you have um, questions as well, I'm more than happy to, to get into some of that. So I'll take okay. one here first. This came from Jackie Nagee, I think. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, via email. She said her question is around specifically the look and feel, the look and the layout of the emails, not the logo or the branding, she says, but what about the format? Is it plain text with links or HTML with links or partitioned, you know, boxes with text and links or photos with titles and they link from that? You know, what is the most effective or popular layout when the email, this is what she says, when the email is promoting multiple services, like in her case, coaching, training, and speaking? I have a couple of different answers for that. So, in general, um, in, in this field, formatting is getting simpler. It used to be, you know, these fancy email, or excuse me, HTML, you know, designed email templates with headers and images and, you know, boxes and colors and all this kind of stuff. More and more, emails are getting simpler. So, that's a, that's just sort of a general rule of thumb. One of the main reasons for that is that people are reading more and more of their emails on mobile devices. So you want to make sure that your emails, you know, look good and, and convert on a mobile device. Most of the decent email marketing platforms that we talked about earlier will um, help you make sure that that's the case. Having said that, um, honestly, there is not necessarily a specific layout that's quote unquote, the best for everybody. Um, you want to make sure that you are including things that work for you. In what I'll call the email newsletter, the thing that you're sending out on a regular basis, um, I do encourage having some sort of imagery. People process pictures a lot faster than words. They're drawn to pictures. If there's some sort of picture in it, um, it, it allows them to get you know, get the gist of it and see what that's all about a lot quicker than pure text, um, text with links or things like this. So if you can include um, at least a picture, whether it's the picture that goes with the article or a picture, um, you know, from you or working with a client, whatever that might be um, in that newsletter, I, I do recommend that. I recommend having 
three or fewer sections, quote-unquote sections, in the email. Um, and that's, that's more than plenty. The more, the simpler you can be, the better. And this gets me to the second part of Jackie's question, which is, she says, when the email is promoting multiple services like coaching, training, and speaking. Honestly, I don't recommend promoting multiple services in a single email. <laughs> we really want to um, focus on, A, who we're talking to. I don't know if your coaching and your training and your speaking are all marketed to the same groups of people. Um, I would pick one clear call to action for each email that we're talking about. So we talked about that a little earlier about what those offers could be. So in one email, it might be, you know, to get on a free call with you or a free consultation with you about coaching. In another one, it might be an entry point to your training, whatever that might mean. Um, but I would not necessarily recommend having, you know, a big long email with multiple sections with all of these different things in it because that just gets to be too much and it's not um, effective. So that's my quick answer to that one. I have um, a caller here. I'm going to unmute you um, to ask a question. Hello, are you there? It says Groove Coach. Are they there? Hello? Oops, looks like I have to unmute myself to be heard, huh? There we go. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, this is Carl in Buffalo, New York, where it's raining, so hopefully you can still hear me. No problem. So, uh, yeah, just a general question. Don't know if this is the space to answer it, but it's kind of along the lines of what you were just saying. Uh, my work is about um, helping folks get into flow in different areas of their life. Nice. That's the good news, but that's the bad news, is that it's a universal topic, but with many different applications and potentially many targets. Uh, any thoughts on how to handle something like that, including, you know, do I have separate lists, uh, which could get a little crazy for me? Yeah. Uh, so that's my question. Excellent. Um, and actually, that dovetails into the other question I got via email as well. So... Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to read hers and kind of tackle them together because they're very similar. Because she says, when you have different entities, what do you do? In her case, she's a life and career coach who also does kindness workshops and presentations for schools and corporations. So she has a bunch of different types of people that she's talking to. Now, in both of your cases, what I do um, when I work with people is figure out, you know, who your ideal client is. And if you can keep it general enough so that the there's two different ways of looking at it. A, who are you talking to? And B, what are you offering? Those are the two different ways you can segment your list. Obviously, lists, so we're talking about list segmentation, which is possible. So in all of these platforms, you can keep different lists and keep track of different types of people who might want to hear about different types of things. Honestly, like you said, I think that gets very overwhelming quickly for especially solopreneurs and really small businesses. It's a great tool for big businesses. Marketers talk about it a lot. Um, 
you know, if you have thousands of people on your list and you can segment them and you have a marketing team who can do this, great. If not, <laughs> um, like you said, ideally we want to figure out um, the primary focus. You know, what's the primary thing that's going to draw people to you? And it sounds to me like in your case you have you have an umbrella topic, you have a why, you have a thing that you do, and it, it yes, it has different applications for different people, but I think it's definitely possible to keep them all under one um, umbrella. And essentially you're offering, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, are you offering coaching programs to them? You're essentially offering the same thing that might you might tailor it differently to, depending on the situation? Yes. Yeah. So... In your case, you're offering the same thing, so therefore you can you can kind of keep it under one list that way. In her case, she's offering different things. You know, in some cases it's corporate presentations, while sometimes it's life coaching. That, to me, feels like different lists, but I wouldn't, again, just because of the scope of, of many of our businesses, we, I wouldn't necessarily recommend hers for example, trying to build a corporate list and keep two or three different emails going, I would figure out which one is the one that's her email marketing and which one she might want to do a different way. She may sell her corporate presentations through, you know, networking or, you know, through referral marketing or through something else as opposed to overwhelming yourself with content. Um, I, I I would add, Sarah, that if you do have different types of clients, let's say career coaching clients and then corporate clients, you can try to segment your list with some of the sophisticated tools that are out there like Infusionsoft and HubSpot. And I mean, we could probably have 18 teleclasses on those two tools in and of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really an advanced topic. But if you've got such a big list with so many different types of people yeah, you absolutely want to start to customize the messaging that you send to each of those groups because content is becoming much more personalized and you can even, now there's applications where, you know, if you have a sequence of emails, well, the second or third email doesn't go out unless the first one was opened kind of thing. And and so you're you're really making sure that people are engaged and, and uh, that helps with your delivery rate and so on. So, I mean, we can go into this stuff for days and days and days, but I think most coaches are probably not quite there yet. But if you are, just check out HubSpot, check out Infusionsoft. They have tons of really useful information. Do you know of any other applications that are sort of along those lines as well, Sarah? There's you know, it's a funny. Others. So Entreport is, is the other competitor to Infusionsoft, and I just wrote, I just ended up leaving Infusionsoft myself because um, it was more than what I needed for these very reasons. You know, if you are segmenting a list um, to the point where, you know, nobody gets to the end... <laughs> Right. If you have two people getting through a sequence because you've segmented it at this level, um, it's not particularly effective. So I think, to your point, Stefan, those and the, those platforms are more expensive as well. So it's a it's a real question of looking at where you're at, how big is your business, how big is your list, what's your budget, and what makes the most sense. And I I personally think for a lot of solo coaches. Um, Something like that is probably overkill, and I wouldn't start out. I guess this is my this is my general answer to the question. I wouldn't start out segmenting a list. I would start out with 
a list and creating content consistently that you can, you know, get as many people on there as you can and segmentation can happen later. Well, first, Sarah, I really appreciate uh, the answer you gave me that it sounds like I have perhaps an umbrella theme. And my last quick comment is is that my plan in creating content will be a universal theme of flow in the background, but at the same time, the little pieces of content that I create will be specific and targeted. So it's both useful, hopefully, for different types of situations, and yet the branding and what it's all about that flow is fundamental, gets to be communicated. Perfect. I think that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Are there any other questions out there? Or, Stefan, do you have a, a question? Well, my question was around, uh, is there one piece of content that you created that was a real, like, home run um, uh, I've looked at a variety of different websites and oftentimes there's like this one thing that gets 90% of their traffic. Is is there such a thing maybe that you've created for yourself or for a client? Ah, um, a couple come to mind um, and there's two different ways that this happened. One, I would say my most popular blog article out there um, is something that I wrote about I'm trying to think of what it's called. It was basically about the fact that perfect content doesn't exist. It was about, you know, not focusing on perfection. And um, that ended up getting a ton of views. And I think, I don't know if more people shared it or what happened. It was one of those things where it somehow sort of went viral. And, of course, um, part of, besides just posting it on my website and, and sending it under my email is, linking to it on social media, doing a little article marketing, these sorts of content marketing strategies. And that one, that particular one just kind of took off. The second experience where I had a lot of success was one where I really worked hard to get people there. So I did a webinar uh, about a year ago, actually, um, called Jumpstarting Your Content Creation. And I had um, affiliate partners and I had people sharing it and I put a little a budget into advertising it and I really worked hard and I had you know over 300 people who up, um, signed up for that one webinar which was exciting for me <laughs> um, and so I think there's there's the ones that happen quote-unquote by I don't want to say luck but the reality is everybody thinks you know I got how do you make something go viral <laughs> is if we knew the answer to that question, everybody would be, you know, doing it. The answer is things go viral sort of um, randomly and, and fortuitously. But the other way to do it is to really just work on your own content marketing, on your own promotions, and getting it in front of as many people as possible. Very good. Thanks for sharing, Sarah. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I know we went a little bit over time. Thanks to everyone who stuck around with us. And again, if you're interested in talking to me more and potentially working together, check out contentcreationcoach.com slash VIP. Or um, you can just head to my website at contentcreationcoach.com where, of course, I have all sorts of useful blog articles. I have my ebook that you can check out so that you can hear about um, other other things that I have going on. And thanks, everybody, for being here. Have a great rest of your week. 
Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate your time and all your insights and all the information you've shared with us today. It's been uh, really useful and valuable. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Thanks, Evan. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.